the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I've mentioned it before. The empty tomb is the Father's amen to the sons it has finished. It is God's ultimate satisfaction with His Son. Welcome to Way of Grace. Join us as we celebrate Easter all week this week with Pastor Jessica Stan. From Grace Bible Church here in Hayward and online at grace-bible.com. Hi there, and welcome to today's broadcast of Way of Grace. We are celebrating Easter all week this week, and we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 doing it. We're looking at the first eight verses in a message called The Risen Lord Testified. And our focus, pure and simple, the gospel. Won't you join us today as we are encouraged in Christ and what we are celebrating this weekend. Here's Pastor Jesse and today's broadcast. Colossians chapter 123, the Apostle Paul uses this and this here will launch us into our third point, really. Colossians 123, watch this. Paul says, if you continue in the faith, grounded and what? Settled. There it is, established. And be not, a move, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard. Notice how he calls the gospel our what? Hope which was preached to every creature which is in heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. The apostle Paul understood the non-negotiable importance of the message of the gospel as the foundation, as the firm foundation of establishing the believer in Christ. The gospel is your only foundation, your only hope. I love this. Now look at our text again as we move forward. Not only is the gospel stood upon in in that you and I received it joyfully and gladly, but is that upon which we stand? It is your only standing. Now I have a sub point C. I want to move that to our next point because it will pick up there as well. Look at point number three. He says, the gospel is saving you. Go back to verse one. Sometimes the grammar is important for us to capture. Moreover, brethren, above everything that I've said, I am presently expounding, explaining, declaring unto you the gospel which in time past I have announced in the good news of the person of work unto you, which also you have received and wherein you are standing, have been established, by which also you are what? Saved. I love what Paul does here. He doesn't really say by which you are saved. He says by which you are presently being saved. By which you are presently being saved. This is why you have to have teachers because the original language, which is the uh, host language, uh, being translated into a guest language like English, can, 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 can muddy up some of the tenses. 
If you believe the gospel, you are saved. But if you believe the gospel, you are being saved. You know what I love about the point that I'm about to develop right now? Every serious saved child of God know that I, that I know believes what I just stated. Every serious saved child of God that I know. I'm not talking about silly folks and arrogant folks and presumptuous folks. The, the folks I talked about in our Ephesian study that love to learn doctrine to argue. I'm talking about people that really want to be saved. Will you hear me now? If you're really born again, here's what you know. You are presently being saved. You are presently being kept. You are presently being guarded. You are presently being shepherded. You are presently being nurtured. You are presently being admonished. You are presently being strengthened. You are presently being taught, presently being guided, presently being upheld, presently being informed, presently being taught, presently being humbled. Because you are presently being saved. Do you hear me? You are presently being saved. I have absolutely no qualms about stating that. Because if we really work through this, this proposition of the present tense verb form of God saving you, it simply means God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he declared it, he'll make it good. And this was our last year's theme, right? The integrity of the upright shall what? God them. And I taught you that that word integrity means to do something until it comes to perfection. Do you believe that he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ? Do you believe that? Do you believe he's doing it now? This is why we can tell the world we are a whip, W-I-P, a work in progress. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and forget to put my hard hat on because the Holy Ghost is going to work. And sometimes when he's chipping away at some of my sinful tendencies and those boulders come down when I don't have my hat on, I get hit upside the head and I have a bad day. And you know, I'm going, you know, Lord, why, 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 why? Because he's shaping and he's molding. Because he's pruning and he's nipping. Because he's being faithful to his own word. Because he's making us to be a bride collectively and individually that one day will be without spot and wrinkle. Because he knows how to purge us. He knows how to discipline those that are his own. He knows, will you hear me right now? Watch this. He knows that salvation has to be for his glory and our good, a collaborative relationship between him and us. In other words, you respond to the Lord as a child of God when he disciplines you, all whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and every child he receives, he admonishes. If you are not a child of the living God, you don't understand that. See, but when the Lord allows some of those stones and some of that debris to cause you to trip up and you are reminded once again, you're not perfect. You're not mature. You're not what you should be. And then the Holy Ghost has to remind you also are not what you used to be. And so he's working on us. I love the way he puts it. First Corinthians chapter 118. Stay with me. I'm trying to help you understand how to frame the language and be biblical. 
not just theological, biblical. First Corinthians 118, listen to the verse. Here it is again. Here's how the verse goes. I want you to see it. It says, going back to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 118, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 118 corresponds to our verse, but I want you to see it. This is what Paul is treating the subject of the gospel. And I should read verses 18 through 24, but I just want you to get verse 18 and then I'll look at verse 24. Look at verse 18. He says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Do you see it? Foolish. Now again, the grammar requires advertisement. For the preaching of the cross It's to them that are unregenerate, that are lost, that are blind, that are spiritually dead. To them that are perishing, it's foolishness. See the phrase perish? There should be an A-R-E there. To them that are perishing. It's in the present tense. To them that are perishing. Let's see if we can make this good. Is the unsaved man lost? Is he being lost? Will he die lost? I got a witness in the house. Did I get a witness in our, in our world out there? Were you outside of Christ lost? Were you being lost? And if God in his mercy hadn't snatched you up out of the way to hell, wouldn't you die lost? So this present indicative verb form is consistent on both sides. Outside of Christ, you are perishing. In Christ, you are being saved. Look at the next line. There it is. I love it. But unto us, which are presently being saved. See it? It is the power. <laughs> Isn't it the power? Yeah, it's the power. Now that term really does re- require some working through, but I'm going to leave it like this. This is what God did when he sent the Holy Ghost into your life as a person. So this power is a person. Isn't he? This power is a person. And he's your immediator. He's the one that goes to bed with you, rises up with you, walks with you, talks with you. He cuts the lights off so you can bump your head. Then he cuts them back home and says, you need me. Right? He allows you to stumble when you go to talking too much. And then he picks you back up and he lets you know, you need me. Right? Not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So if I ever make it to glory, it will be because he saved me, is saving me, and ultimately I will be saved one day. Does that make sense? And it's important for you to understand what Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians 15 around this is what we will see in a moment, giving what has to be understood as a conditional imperative. So these are the conditions you hear sparsely put out in the epistles that the believer is being saved. He is presently, he is presently being saved. Love, love the language. So under point number two, the gospel stood upon, upon, received the gospel as your standing. Point number three, the gospel is presently, it is presently saving you. It is presently saving you. First Corinthians 1.18. And then look at sub point B. <clears throat> if you continue to hold to it. Do you see it? If you continue to hold to it. Now we're back at point number three. So we are still at point number three. So points A and B. The gospel saving you is presently saving you. That's your verb form. If you continue to hold to it. Do you see it? 
Now, this is the way Paul talked in many places. We just saw it in 1 Corinthians. Uh, Colossians chapter 123, go back there for a moment. I want you to see it. that little conditional clause, if, that's a conditional clause. Notice how it says it, for Colossians 123. If you continue in the faith, see it, grounded and settled and not moved away from the hope of your calling. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. Listen to how the Hebrew writer puts it. But Christ, as a son over his own house, Whose house we are. What's the little conditional clause? If we what? Hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope. What? Firm to the end. See it? Conditional clause. Here's another one. Verse 16. Hebrews 3.13. I know what he's saying right there. But we exhort one another, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be what? Hardened through Unless any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Why is the Hebrew writer saying that? He's saying that because in this process of the believer being saved, the sad reality, children of God, is that we look in the lives of many people who don't continue in the gospel. They don't continue walking in the grace of God. But Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 31, pull that up. He says, If you are my disciples, watch it now, you will continue in my word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You've heard it. Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, there it is. uh, It's called a uh, conditional uh, indicative, rather a conditional indicative. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed? So the idea that Paul is setting forth in 1 Corinthians 15 is the gospel's been preached to you. It was announced to you upon which you have also received and you are standing by which also you are being saved. In my translation, some of the other translations, if you hold fast to, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you. Look at verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 15 again. Sub point B, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you. Now, again, most translations will translate that if you hold fast to. That's literally our Greek word for holding fast to. The King James felt like using the word memory because what they understood was to hold fast to doctrine was to retain it in the mind. That in order for you and I to be able to act it out or walk in light of its mandate, we have to keep it in memory. And how do we keep the word of God in memory? Stay under the preaching of the word of God. Faith comes by what? And hearing by what? If you keep in memory what I have declared unto you, you are in the present mode of being saved. Very important. Very important. For some people, they will shake around the notion, well, pastor, what? Are you saying that you can lose your salvation? I'm saying that you can use, you can lose your salvation. I taught that before. But you can't lose God's salvation. If God's saving you, you won't be lost. If God's saving you, you will be capped. If God's saving you, you will be developed. You will be matured. You will be strengthened. If God's saving you. But if you're saving yourself, I guarantee you, you're going to be lost. Can I lose my salvation? Yes. If it's yours, it's going to be lost. But if it's God's salvation, God is going to keep you 
But this process of him keeping you engages the relationship between you and him, the believer and God. It is a relationship. This is where these conditional indicatives come into place. He that holds fast to my word to the end, the same shall be saved. And so Paul is laying that out here to the church at Corinth. Before we move on to our next point, let me just remind you, shouldn't the church at Corinth be reminded? that they should be in the process of being saved. And if they are in the process of being saved, they got to look back at all 12 chapters that we've gone through and ask themselves, are the marks of salvation evidenced by dividing Christ, by denying the power of the gospel, by embracing false religion, by living in rank fornication, by walking in licentiousness, by getting puffed up, and all of the charges that he laid out against him. And the answer is what? No. So the church at Corinth had to be reminded once again that the gospel that they have is designed to save you. Therefore, walk in the light of that gospel. That's where you and I are. By which you are being saved. If you keep in memory what, it, what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in what? Vain. Unless you have believed in vain, share with you. This is where the Apostle Paul was back in 1 Corinthians 6, which is where our theme verse is. Show it again. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. You guys heard this at the beginning of the year where the Apostle Paul is nurturing a church again in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 1, around our theme, which is what? Co-laboring together with God. He says, I beseech you now. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm sorry. This is. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6, I beseech you, he says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, that we would be co-laborers. Here it is. We then as workers together, we beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. He's speaking to the same church. And the reason he's doing it, children of God, is because he understands that the gospel is a journey. It's a labor. That many people will get on, but not many people will make it to the end. Many will start, but not many will finish. It's important for you and I to be able to examine, is the gospel keeping you? Very important. So again, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 21. I love it. This is the uh, language that's used here too of this concept. If you continue to hold to it, 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, do what? Prove all things and then do what? Hold fast to that which is good. That's a good personal verse for everybody to hold on to. Don't believe everything, prove all things. When you find out what's true, do what with it? Hold fast to it. Hold fast to it. So now we've looked at the gospel sounded off. We've looked at the gospel stood upon. We are looking at the gospel saving you. And I really do want to make sure that you understand what Paul is saying by that, by which also you are being saved. If you keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. But now let's look at point number four, the gospel scripturally testified. This is where we move into the heart of Paul's what I call apostolic testimony of the resurrection of Christ. He says, if you didn't believe in vain, if you are keeping in memory what we shared with you, here's what was delivered unto you. Verse three, for I delivered unto you, first of all, chiefly that which also what I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. You notice how he establishes the cornerstone. 
the atoning work of Jesus Christ. So now Paul is about to get into the testimony. He's about to share with the church of Corinth as if the church of Corinth had never, ever heard it before. What a remarkable thing for this pastor to do. He has to go all the way back to the beginning to let them know that the gospel that was delivered to them by which they became a local church happened like this. What a remarkable thing to do. You can see the burden of his heart because many of them were contemplating that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. He knew how damning that assertion would be. And he goes back to the beginning. Now watch what he says. He says, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received. Now, what is he talking about? Remember, Paul walked in open rebellion against the gospel for many years. And then he received it. How did he receive it? Was it by sitting down with the Lord Jesus Christ and negotiating Torah over against Jesus? Or did he receive it by the power of God, knocking him down on the Damascus road, blinding him to his sinfulness so that he gets shut up to the sovereign power of the reigning Christ who said, Saul, Saul, it is impossible for you to kick against the gold. You're mine, boy. Just believe this thing and let's keep it moving. And that's what he testified all through the book of Acts, the power of the gospel to knock him down, blind him, speak into his ears and show him his mission in the person of Christ whom he had persecuted. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He met the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, changed his life forever. This is the message that he received and he's sharing it with the Corinthians too. Now notice what he says. I deliver unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Beautiful truth, right? How that Christ died for our sins. Point number four, the gospel scripturally testified. Now when he uses a little term, how that Christ died for our sins, using the Greek word grapho, you know what he's saying? My argument for Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is not merely that I met him as the risen Lord, but I know him in the testimony of Scripture as the one the Scripture said would come, die, and rise again. He's going to base his argument on Scripture. And that's the way you and I base our argument. Now, salvation is an experience. Don't you agree with that? It's not just a message. It's not just a, 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 a code of words in a book. Salvation's an experience. It is an absolute experience and it must be experienced. If you never experienced the new birth, being born again, having your ears open, your eyes open, and that old heart taken out and a new heart placed in and God's law written on your heart and summed up in the person of Jesus, you don't know Christ. It's an experience. It's an experience, but that experience is also affirmed by the very word of God that you and I are called upon to read every day, this book. This is where Paul now is setting forth the way that we know the gospel is through the word of God. He says how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Look at point number four. The gospel scripturally testified to. This is going to be verses three and four. Notice what we have in point number four. First, Christ, what? Died for our sins. Very simple truth. Five words as we have stated it. Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. What is that? Four sub points. He died for our sins as a sinless substitute. 
He died for our sins as a sinless substitute. He died for our sins as a righteous redeemer. Did he not? He died for our sins as a sanctifying surety. And then he died for our sins as Jehovah's justification. Is that good? Is that good? See, he died for our sins according to the scriptures. What do you mean, pastor? Christ died for our sins as the sinner's substitute. And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes, that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30, Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30, directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.